Hello and welcome to a scientific experiment where a host has a concussion and two other hosts are exhausted. It is, of course, back of the grid. <laughs> oh dear. Just a usual week, isn't it? Yeah, basically. <laughs> a continuing social experiment. Uh, the concussion's new, though. That is a new uh, modifier. Yeah. <laughs> um, how is everyone? Did you enjoy the race this weekend? Did enjoy the race. Enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. Good race. Good, good, good. F1 isn't dead, still. F1 <laughs> still isn't dead. This Formula 1 is... Uh, yeah, it, it was, it's relatively... It was a compelling race. I say that a lot about races, but it was. I thought this one was quite compelling in a different way to what we've had yeah. recently. Eh? Um, we'll get right into it, I guess. Um, start of the race, we had a bit of a duel between Hamilton and Ferrari, which was your first bit of compelling compelment. <laughs> um... It was kind of equally good starts all around at the front, wasn't it? There wasn't much. Yeah, not like an turn awful one lot drama. of madness, was there? No, no. We got um, th- there was the first real sort of incident was um, Hulkenberg hitting science early on, wasn't it? It gave him a puncture and uh, dropped in a lap down. Yeah. Um, so Leclerc Leclerc controlled the pace um, early doors um, from the front um, with the top ten going very very slowly to conserve their soft tires hoping to pull out a one-stop race so slowly in fact that george russell was fastest man on the circuit at one point yeah really i hadn't noticed that yeah Yeah, he was it's um hopefully this is a preview of 2021 when in theory the field is brought close together and it'll always be this close (laughs) maybe 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 i'd somehow struggle to believe that that'll be (laughs) maybe um Ricardo um, was uh, quite noteworthy early doors. He started at the back, and by lap ten, he'd got himself up to twelfth twelfth uh, position. Yeah, yeah, he um, was some, not messing around. No, he had some trademark honey badger moves, um, including a tasty <laughs> battle with uh, Danny Kvyat. Um, that was a bit of a move, wasn't it? Into he came along from a long way back. If I'm thinking of the right one, he came from a long way back. And yeah, does a really good one. Stuck his nose. Right up the inside of uh, of Kvyat. Considering um, it's like it's a street track, you can't overtake. There were lots of like side by side through multiple corner sort of moves uh, this weekend. Yeah, I yes. was thinking that. That is, I guess, it is a little bit wider than most street tracks, though, as street tracks go. It's down, wider than some streets. normal tracks in places. Well, yeah, true. Yeah, <laughs> it's, just, it's literally car park. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ricardo was an interesting one. I sort of wanted to watch him going into this race. Obviously, he got his gearbox. But no, it was a. It wasn't a gearbox penalty. Sorry, it was a. Um, it was a overpowered electronic aid, electronic power. See, I told you I've got concussion. It was an overpowered <laughs> electronic component on the uh, power unit. Did you see um, how much of an advantage Renault reckon it gave him? Yeah, it was like a fraction of a percentage. One millionth of a second is what they calculated. A millionth um, of a second. But, yep, hmm. and it happened on his second fastest lap in Q1. Um, wow. So, I mean, to be disqualified from qualifying for that, which meant absolutely nothing, 
feels very harsh, but at the same time, rules are rules, aren't they? You can't the, say, yeah, oh, you've, is, ro- yeah. you've only broken the rule a little bit, so we'll let you off. Like, yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I was going to say. Like, yeah, it's black and white. Like, if you go over a a, a, a figure, then yep, you know you have to. Otherwise, you'll get people trying to push the limit of how much you can go over. Kind of yeah, thing, like, trying exactly. to exploit the grey areas. It's Formula One. That's what they do best. Um, it's a shame so because it's a shame. they were looking pretty quick, weren't they? I mean, he qualified uh, eighth, I think. Yeah, he was eighth in Q3. Yeah. Um, it was a shame, but it did put him at the back of the grid in a faster car than most of the cars ahead of him. So, so it was exciting for us. So it was. It, it made it a tasty thing to lead into the race with. Um, it you know, made it a good storyline for us to sort of keep yeah. an eye on as the race unfolded. Uh, the best bit of those scenarios is commentary teams constantly say back of the grid, which subliminally advertises our <laughs> podcast to everybody. That's a very good things. point. Oh, yeah. I'm going to listen to that when the uh, race is done. Every, like, <laughs> na- I'm sure 90% of the people watching have never heard of this podcast. <laughs> and so don't have any context to uh, apply that they to. Have. It's all subliminal. They, they've heard <laughs> the words back of the grid. That doesn't mean that they've heard of the podcast. Or... I'm sure a lot of them are like, Stu. I'm sure I've seen Semantics. that written on a purple flag somewhere exactly <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly oh my goodness um you've I've, I had a really good point then and you've totally thrown me off <laughs> derailed you <laughs> absolutely yeah it, it was it, so it was exciting to see him sort of rushing forwards and uh, yeah like i said 12th by lap 10 which is some pretty uh pretty tasty driving i'd say um, it, it felt very from what he said on the radio as well which is completely not repeatable on this um, <laughs> clean <laughs> podcast um but he was clearly like it was in the mood yeah he, he, he was basically approaching that race like i'm going to finish high in the points or i'm going to end up in a wall or in the side of someone yeah. else and like he didn't really care that much which it ended up being yeah he meant business didn't he? yes That's yeah definitely safe to say um so um between sort of i guess uh uh, between that and and the pit stops, there's not really a crazy amount to report from what I remember. It was pretty um, it. chill. It was it, it was that weird situation where everyone's complaining about how slow the leader's going, but nobody wants yeah. to be the one to just go a bit faster and try and overtake them. Yeah, it was kind of poised at that point. Very poised. It was very like yeah. Mexican standoff, who's going to blink first kind of thing. And Leclerc um, was going very, very slowly. Yeah, yeah. Um, the first person to blink was, um, well, the first people to blink were Vettel and Verstappen, I believe. they. Yeah, um, they came in together, didn't they? Yeah, they came in more or less the same time, well, one behind the other. Um, Verstappen absolutely sent it into the pit lane and almost sent himself back out onto the track. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, so uh, the pits. So the pit. This is where it, I guess it got interesting because Vettel, Leclerc pitted a lap later, and Vettel came out ahead. Yeah, got the undercut. So Ferrari accidentally did good strategy and undercut their own driver, putting both of them, putting them into what would ultimately be one and two position after they'd overtaken everyone that they gone back into into the mid pack it's a weird one isn't it i mean it is a weird one this is probably the meat of the show as well i guess like you know should ferrari have swapped them around like how did they how did this happen is it fair on on leclerc to to have done all the hard work got pole position and then be sort of lumbered behind his teammate discuss i guess 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the Ferrari line is they wanted a one-two and Vettel was... Um, they, they saw this as the chance to get Vettel ahead of Hamilton, basically. That was yeah. their their only chance to get Vettel ahead of Hamilton was to undercut him. On the track. Um, yeah. On the track, yeah. Leclerc at that point was holding... Again, they were all going very slowly, but he was like he had the pace to hold a decent lead over Hamilton. I guess the the... the the difference is I don't think anybody expected the undercut to be quite as powerful as it was. Yeah, I think that's the thing, isn't it? Where the goal here was for them to essentially get Vettel to leapfrog Hamilton with the undercut. That was always the intention. Um, and they succeeded yeah, yeah, in that. Yeah. And like like you say, Chris, it, it just worked better than they thought it would. Yeah, it just worked too well. <laughs> Whether they should have swapped them back is up for debate, I guess. But it's, I don't know... <laughs> Well, like they, they, they have a number one driver realistically, which is Seb. No matter what Charles has done for the last couple of races, ultimately in that Ferrari garage, Seb is still their number one. I think, realistically, if yeah. you asked anyone. Well, I guess that's the thing, isn't it? the The real question is, had it been the other way around, would they have asked Charles yeah. to let Bell back through? And honestly, I don't believe that they would. I don't think Ferrari of 2019 would do that. I think Ferrari of a number of years ago definitely would have done that, but I don't yeah. think they would operate that like that these days. Yeah. It's, uh, I don't know. It's hard. Like it did seem very harsh on Leclerc having done all it the hard did. work. To... It, it was absolutely the right move at that point though. Oh, strategically, they, yeah. Strategically, yeah. it was. I just don't. I just don't know for sure whether they even meant to do that. Though is the thing. Obviously, I don't they think wanted. So. They, they, they definitely meant for him to come out of Hamilton. That was the reason for the call. But did they mean for him to come out of ahead of Leclerc? Absolutely not. Like no, no. no yeah. Way. So, was, I mean, so, so with that in mind, that being sort of an accidental byproduct of a decision they made for another intention. With that, I my feeling is that the the right thing to do would be to give the race leader the lead back. Mm. But, again, you know, just in terms of what the what right and wrong, like... I guess so. But the, the other thing with it, though, is, like, Vettel was clearly told he needed to be... Like, he was given a hurry-up, basically, saying, you know, you need to <laughs> you need to make the most of this now. And in fairness to him, he went and powered his way back to the lead of the race on merit. Like, it wasn't like he was holding Charles up at any point, realistically, if you think about it. And had it been more a case where Charles was clearly a lot quicker, then I can see that the call would have maybe been made. But at the time, Vettel was told to put his foot down and get on with it. And he went and like literally powered his way through to the front of the, the pack mm. and overtook them all to do it. So yeah, it's not like he was slow and causing issues. And I think had he been slower than Charles, then yes, we'd have maybe seen the call. Yeah. It's a little gutting that Charles has kind of not come away with the win after his recent form. And like you say, the fact that, you know, he'd put in the hard work up to that point to be where he was. Mm. But I think no. I think th- I think Ferrari would have lost either way, let's put it this way. They're, they're getting jip for yeah, yeah. not making the strategy call. And we all know if they'd have made the strategy call uh, to, to swap them, people would have given them jip. They, they can't win in this scenario, but no. people are going to be against the decision no matter which one it is. Yeah, you make an interesting point. You make an interesting point, actually, because um, Vettel was the faster car at that point in mm. in the race, no doubt about that. Otherwise, he wouldn't have come out ahead. Um, 
and he did remain the faster car for the remainder of the race because it sounded like yeah, he was keen was. to have a go and he, he defended hard well he didn't really need to defend that hard but he still like he, def- he did enough at the restarts to you know to to win the race because yeah. he had to deal with three restarts <laughs> yeah and his safety car restarts were perfection Spot on. like yeah, yeah, he nailed every single one of them. If, if anything every single one of them got better than the previous one like yeah. he was so on top of it like the thing is yes the undercut was powerful but he gained 3.9 seconds in between like the two pit stops like that's not all fresh tires like that is him yeah making the absolute most of the situation it's worth mentioning that leclerc's pit stop was much it was like six temps faster than uh, vettel's yeah, Vettel stop wasn't was a bit tardy, wasn't it? Wasn't yeah, it wasn't that wasn't that quick, wasn't that? Yeah, quick. Martin Brundle seemed to think it was quicker than it was on screen, but I I timed it and it wasn't that quick. Yeah, it's not at all. Um, and the other thing I think in this is like yes, like we can talk about should Ferrari have done this or that, but actually we should be applauding Ferrari for making yeah. the exact right decision that gave them a one-two. Yeah, yeah, it was really really good strategy <laughs> they absolutely <laughs> nailed I, it I, when i say accidentally i do of course mean that in jest um, <laughs> yeah completely. The, fi- the final thing i'll say about vettel as well is he didn't actually put down his final qualifying like he fluffed his final qualifying lap so for mm. that reason i think yeah. ultimately he was if he'd not fluffed that lap i think he would have had pole and this he should have been on pole really and if that's you know if that's the case then this is i mean that the entire race is, is, is a different race at that point. Yeah, that happens, like, but... I, I guess as well when you look at Charles's pole lap, there was at least three occasions yeah. where he was kicking the back end out. So yeah. a, a tidier lap from Seb would have possibly seen him get pole, like you say. So. Yeah, yeah I don't think Leclerc would quite believe that he had pole. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, he was he was surprised a little uh, come the end of the lap, wasn't he? Mm. Because he knew he'd made mistakes. He knew it wasn't a clean lap. Yeah. So. So, um, so by the midpoint of the race, um, all the leaders had pitted, and uh, they, they'd all come out around the mid park, which was their slow pace, um, which <laughs> meant that they each had to set about overtaking cars on different strategies, wearing more durable rubber without blue flags, um, and this meant that Giovinazzi got to lead a race, uh, a Formula yes. One race, for the first time in an Alpha. I've, got, I've written Alpha Romeo Yolo. <laughs> <laughs> I like what you've done um, there. Uh, yeah, and during you know during all I mean that that's that's fairly exciting I guess like how exciting yeah. is it? Do we want to dedicate much time to this bit? <laughs> I, th- I think it's just worth noting that like this is one of the advantages of having a closer field because every other race the leaders just wait for there to be a gap that they can drop yeah. into and they you know they go fast enough to clear the midfield, drop into a gap, and away they go. Whereas this race, because of the pace everyone being close together those gaps just did not exist like they all had to fight their way through so you had like leaders well not the leaders at the time but the fastest cars having to fight their way through the pack together which is always exciting yeah yeah it was interesting and the other thing is they were on like i said they were on totally different strategies as well so they were planning on going long yeah. much longer they were on the opposite strategy essentially there was a big overlap in the middle of the race between Some of them those went two very strategies. long as well yeah. yeah. Well, Giovinazzi. <laughs> yeah. And, and Gasly as well. Gasly started on the hard tyre, didn't he? So. Yeah. And Ricardo. At this point, Ricardo got himself up to fourth. He was running yeah, in fourth was... place, Ricardo. Because that was the other interesting thing. Like, everyone, there, there was always going to be a safety car because there's always a safety car. And everyone was kind of holding out, hoping that would turn up at some point. And if it had at that point, like, mm. you could easily have had the likes of Giovinazzi, Gasly, Ricardo actually in at the front on merit like that could easily have happened with the the right timing of a safety car 
yeah, yeah. which is very exciting. I, I did put, I pointed it out to the people I was watching the race with. Like, uh, there was at that exact point just after all the the big boys had pitted and everyone was sort of you know all all over the place kind of thing. If yeah, if there had been a safety point car at that point the entire race would have been just flipped on its head. Oh, it really it would, would. An absolutely yeah. mental one. But um, sadly, they didn't come until much later, the safety cars, but we'll get to that. Um, there was a hairy moment between Vettel and Gasly during this sort of overtakey yeah. phase of the race. Um, the Toro Rosso was pushed wide, wide. don't know why I said it with such a weird <laughs> sound. Um, and Vettel, Vettel came from a long way back, and uh, it was really, really lucky. I thought to not get a puncture in that they sort of interlocked wheels just and then um and then Gasly saw him and didn't fully commit to the corner and ran wide. Yeah. There's an argument to say he was pushed wide. I think yeah. by Vettel. It was because it was that is it turn 6 or 7 I think where there's like the bit of runoff on the outside and you always get people clashing wheels trying to go side by side to there and people getting pushed wide but he Isn't was it- a proper dive from a long way back. Isn't it the same corner where Massa went sideways overtaking Senna? Is it that one? Uh, no, that's over the bridge. That's later on. Uh, that's that's the thinnest bit of track. It was the same corner where... Um, I know Hamilton and Webber came together there one year. Yeah, I'm talking about this. There's quite a, there's quite a oh, few you're, things you're happened thinking, in that corner. You're thinking Danny and Gio, aren't you? Yeah, Danny and Giovinazzi. Yeah, that, yeah. that was at the same corner, I think. Yes, it was. Yeah, it was. Um, it's the one with the um, yellow sausage curbs running, uh, orange yeah. sausage yes. curbs running running down along it that you really, really don't want to be going over because they were massive, yeah. those things. Should there have been a black and white flag for that based on Italy, do you think? Mm. Just to play devil's advocate? I, think... I sort of half expected one to to like make the point that we've talked about the last couple of races. Um, I think that I sort of half expected that to be the outcome, like a no action, but watch what you're doing, Seb, kind of thing, which I guess we got in a way, but not officially a black and white flag. So I don't know what Gasly was doing, trying to hang on around the outside there. Like Vettel was always going to get past him. <laughs> yeah, there's there was just no point in trying to hang around the outside. Like just just give up the corner at that point. Yeah, possibly why it went the way it did. Maybe. It was definitely an unnecessary risk I think Vettel was taking, but at the same time, neither of them needed to be doing it, basically. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, so in conclusion, no need for a black and white flag, or should there be? It doesn't make a difference. No. <laughs> <That's> a- <laughs> no so a, yeah, I guess so, yeah. No, no. The net result was... Grey flag, wave the grey flag. Inconsequential, grey flag. Yeah. <laughs> um, so by lap 34, the status quo had been restored and the running order for the top six was pretty much set to the end of the race with Verstappen having nicked the final podium place um, after Mercedes pitted late because um, they ended up, they sort of left themselves with no option but to gamble on a safety car for their stops. Am I right in thinking Yeah, that? pretty much. I mean, after the race, Toto said basically the moment Vettel was the first to pit, they'd already lost second place. Yeah. And at that point, it was they had to try to defend third, basically, um, yeah. which is, I guess, why they left him out. But it, it always just looks kind of like desperation, didn't it, really? Yeah, yeah. Well, it reached the point where they even had to slow Bottas down, um, who, who'd actually pitted before Hamilton. They had to slow him down to to protect from Albon. Yeah. Can you do end. a 48-8, please? Yeah. <laughs> Valtteri, it's James. 
Yeah. It was that that was a weird one. Like on on the face of it, initially it looked like they were just like trying to keep Hamilton ahead of Bottas, but he Hamilton was very much at risk of losing two places there, which I guess is what they were trying to avoid. It seems like this race was a very team-oriented race. This it race, does, it? yeah. No it's, one driver that, feels like they had. It feels like no single driver had sort of preference from any of the teams. Yeah. It again. It's I understand why Mercedes wanted to do that because it gave them what was it fourth and fifth rather than fourth and sixth. Mm. But at the same time you're essentially telling the person second in the championship to slow down to let the person first in the championship get yeah. ahead of them. Yeah. Like, you know, as, as much as that championship's, no, not looking particularly open anymore, Hamilton's still come away from a poor race having extended his lead by another point or two, which yeah, is which yeah. he somehow always manages to do. Yeah. I think th- this time last year, we um, we, we named the ep- this episode, I think we called... A fingertip on the title this time last year. Uh, yeah, and in in a way that Mercedes telling Bottas to slow down kind of quietly was, I think, the end of this championship as well, wasn't it? Yeah, um, you should all go back and listen to that episode while we're on that <laughs> subject and see if there's see what the differences are between this one and that one. <laughs> see how much more awake we all were as well. Yeah, yeah, probably yeah. much more. Probably made a bit more sense too. The, so yeah, that that was the the top sort of six sort of set at that point. Um, there was plenty of action further down the field though. Um, we had yeah, three safety cars, um, and that kept, sort of kept hope alive for some changes further towards the front. And the first safety car came when Grosjean took out George Russell. Um, that was a ridiculous it turn was. of events. I thought like that that corner was gone for yeah for um, Grosjean, but there's no way yeah. He was getting around him that way. He should have backed out of that, I thought. Um, I don't know what you... Well, it sounds like you guys agree. It, he was trying to hang it around the outside of somewhere that realistically it's not It's not going to work nine times out of ten hanging it around the outside there. But then to George's credit, George kind of knew he was there and gave him pretty much as Give much him. racing room as he could whilst taking the corner. Yeah. It's not like he gave him no racing room. And Grosjean kind of got scared of the big yellow wall next to him and turned into the back of yeah. George's car. Like <laughs> yeah. what there was there was enough room for him to continue straight. And there's this moment where he turns away from the wall and that's when he hits Russell's rear tire. Yeah. So it just it's clumsy and it honestly just reminds me of like many, many other scenarios of Grosjean doing similar things. Yeah, yeah. At, at the risk of sounding like an absolute fanboy, I I totally agree with you. George left loads of room. There was more than a car's width between George's car and the wall mm. at the point of the accident. And absolutely, I agree. Grosjean literally carried on turning right into the wheel of Russell. I don't. It was just such a weird accident to watch unfold as well because it it just didn't need to happen. There was space. Yeah, I while I entirely agree with all of that. Part of me does feel like Russell could have maybe even left even more room. Like Russell said on the radio after, like, uh, of course it was him, or like I should have known, or something like that. Yeah, it's, it's, um, I shouldn't be surprised. He said, "Yeah, that yeah. was it. I shouldn't be surprised." And it, it, it kind of reminded me of we've said this in the past before. There's there's little incidents like that where 
however good a rookie driver is, it's moments like that where experience comes into play. And I can't help feeling like a more experienced driver might have read that situation as, mm. oh God, he's going to actually try and hang it around here. I should give him just another tyres width just in case he does exactly that. Like, mm. while I'm in no way putting any blame on Russell, I think that maybe a more experienced driver might have just left that extra bit of Grosjean room knowing what Grosjean is want to do. Mm, maybe. On honestly, honestly, there's a, I I will get you a still if you want it at some point, but there is a point where there's actually lane markings on the outside of the corner and Grosjean's got an entire lane of the like real life road to himself and still drives into the back of George. And I see what you mean where like George maybe with experience would have given him a wider berth, but he had to make the corner at some point. Like he, it's true. He can't, it's it, not going to right stop angled and corners, let him it's, it's not going to just stop. Yeah, the, it's the right angled corner that it, it naturally sweeps you that way. And I think he did what he needed to do. Um, hmm. And I don't know. It's Maybe it's Grosjean's reputation preceding him a little bit, but... <sighs> He definitely is more Grosjean than oh, absolutely. Else, yeah, sure. I, I don't. I, I I have to say, Chris, I don't agree with you, mate. <laughs> I think. Um, I think whoever you are, like, I think even if even more experience wouldn't have changed that situation for me. For me, I think he he put himself where he it was. It was off the racing line already. It was already more than a car's width on the inside, and he left more than a car's width space. And <sighs> yeah, and, I'm just know, rewatching just, it just because Grosjean is considered not is considered crashy that doesn't mean you don't expect you still don't expect him to crash if you know what i mean you still race him like you're racing anyone on the assumption that he's not going to crash because you're in formula one he's a formula one driver yeah so, but that, that, that's that's all well and good until it ends up with you in a wall <laughs> yeah it, it, i suppose yeah yeah you know the right of way is no good if it kills you is it but yeah at the same time as that the expect I think the expectation, no matter what you think of another driver, is always going to be they won't crash into me. Well, yeah, it has to be, doesn't it? If I leave, if I if I leave them space, they won't crash into me. Look at that. <laughs> the other thing as well is we've all got to remember Marcus Ericsson hit Grosjean. Clearly, that's what happened here. <laughs> it's Marcus Ericsson's fault, guys. I'm, I'm looking at this photo. Um, Tom's just kindly put up on on our group and. There's there's literally a car and a half's width between. Um, he's got a he's got a whole of lane of the street to himself. Yeah, okay, there's yeah, literally like a right. sidewalks worth of space between. Like there's like two rear three rear wheels worth of space between like the two in this image. So, <laughs> I, I you know what I I I can't agree with you on this one, Chris. He's given him more than enough space there. The um, I mean the only thing I'll say is at the point the contact was made, Russell's car is still pointing towards the wall to be going further over the left. Yes, Grosjean does have space for an entire other Formula One car on his left. <laughs> half, I don't know. Half of the Formula One car. <laughs> mm, okay, yeah. Two thirds, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I, I just, I still do feel like a more experienced driver that's done more wheel-to-wheel racing in F1 might have left just a bit more room to be safe having seen what mm. he was attempting to do. Yeah, I suppose if... Uh... But I may be wrong. The the way the, the only way I can agree with you is if 
the the driver knows that he's in a much much slower car and the inevitable is going to happen anyway so you might as well let him through because you're not going to defend ever that position so at that point you do let him through because you know he's crashy and you know you don't want to risk you you don't want to risk your own race but then at the same time Grosjean's not in a Ferrari he's in a Haas which is which they're racing yeah they're only one car faster really so yeah they're absolutely like within touching distance all that being said he was absolutely Grosjean's fault and it was just utterly silly yeah I think we've got more out of this one than we did out of Ferrari's uh, (laughs) yeah Mm. (laughs) Uh, yeah so that was that one Um, that gave us a safety car and it gave Vettel the um, opportunity to show his prowess at the restart it also gave (laughs) uh, Sainz a chance to unlap himself which he duly did and um, got got around halfway around the track and before the they started racing proper um but next up there was double trouble for racing point um it was a puncture for stroll after he just drove into the wall himself um and there was a car issue for perez which caused the second safety car um which brought sites back into the mix after a lonely lonely race up to that point yeah just on stroll, like just before it happened, he had been dueling with a bunch of people, and I don't know about you, but watching it, it was just like at some point here, signs is going to end up with damage somehow. I didn't necessarily think it would be from him driving into a wall, but like, sorry, not signs, M stroll, but yeah, like stroll was always coming out of those couple of laps with something wrong with his car. Yeah, like, he was. Yeah, it was <laughs> so ramshackle the whole situation. <laughs> Um, and it's, it, was, it was a product of the previous safety car. It got, they all got bunched back up together. Yeah. And it, it, it gave us some really, really cool racing. It's kind of like these safety cars at this track, especially when everyone's the midfield is as tight as it is, gives you um, each each safety car here increases the percentage of a, another safety car happening yeah. tenfold. Safety cars breed safety cars. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's a, that's a good Brundle quote right there. Is that <laughs> really what he is. Did he say that? Did he say that? He, say, he says it every time there's a safety car. <laughs> every time there's a safety car, Martin Brundle. Or, sorry, if there's been two safety cars consecutively in the same race, when the second one comes out, he'll say, I always say safety cars breed safety cars. It's true, does. though. Like, we were waiting for one all day, and we got well over halfway through the race before the first one and then it took um four like, laps between four the first laps, yeah. and second one and then three yeah. laps between the second and third one yeah it's because of the way it bunches the field back up isn't yeah, it yeah completely and then everyone yeah. feels that Ooh, now's my chance to to make that move and exactly it ends in tears <laughs> make a dog's dinner of it also after the second safety car we had all three tires on track that were available to run <laughs> And um, the the sort of latter half of the field um, had, they were all on like really, really mixed strategies, all on different tyres, all different tyre lives and stuff. So, which is obviously why we had such sort of, such a bunching and, and, and lots of cars running free wide down, down the road and things like that, which obviously led to safety car number three, where <laughs> Kavir nailed Raikkonen to turn <laughs> one, which was just, a, that was, that was never on, was it? That was a true torpedo move, that. That was a it proper was. torpedo, that one, yeah. Yeah, that was more of a torpedo to... than the actual torpedo is his namesake. It really was. <laughs> like, he tried to claim Raikkonen had moved in the braking zone. It's like, he'd not. He'd finished braking and started <laughs> turning the corner at that point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not moving in the braking zone when the braking zone's 
been and gone. <laughs> yeah, he came from so far back to attempt that move. Yeah, it's like, where are you breaking, Danny? <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. clearly he doesn't. And when he does, he just locks up his wheels and piles into the side of you. Um, yeah. See, I don't think at any point Kvyat made any attempt to make that corner either. And I think one of the things that highlights it is the fact that Raikkonen came so worse off because, like, to me, to me, what that said, I was thinking at the time, was the way Raikkonen got the suspension damage he did and Kvyat just drove off like nothing happened was more the testament to the fact that Danny had kept his wheels straight and the stress of the contact was like it was on a straight wishbone because the wheels weren't being turned, whereas Kimmy was mid-corner, so it's clipped it whilst he's whilst got the lock turned, in, yeah, yeah. and it's just snapped the wishbone, and it's taken the wheel off. And I think the difference in the damage shows how little effort Danny Kvyat had made to make the corner once he realised what he'd done. And I think he just tried to... Mm. I think he just outbraked himself and almost made it... Tried to make it look like he'd been turned into. That's, I, I that's how I well, feel. No, it I looked. don't know. I don't think you can. I don't think you'd even think of that during that in that moment. I think he, he definitely. I agree with you. I agree with you that he locked his wheels up and he he, he went in way too deep. Um, but at that point, you're concentrating on, you know, bracing for impact. <laughs> <laughs> you are if you're Danny Camilla, that's yeah. for sure. <laughs> you're not thinking, oh, I better straighten my wheels out so it doesn't look like this is intentional, <laughs> kind of thing. So. <laughs> Yeah, like it, you're absolutely right. He, he 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 totally locked up and went way. He just massively outbraked himself. That was just, he was way way too ambitious. He thought the tires had a lot more to give at that point than what they actually did. I think. Yeah, yeah. like in a slight defense of him, he's on softs at this point. Kimmy's on hard, so he has got the opportunity to break a lot later and yeah. make that move work. I just think he didn't do a very good yeah. job of it at all. The the, the white stripes on those tires made. Kvyatsi red. <laughs> um, there you go. Little color, color based line for you there. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was the that was the final safety car, um, and it gave us a ten lap sprint to the end of the race. Um, Sainz would recover to twelfth during this sprint, um, and Ricardo finished fourteenth, having run as high as fourth during the pit stop phase, which mm. yeah, which. He had a really, I think he had a really weird race. It was really difficult to keep track of. He crashed into, um, well, he over, he had an oversteer moment, which gave him a puncture um, around the time Vettel got past um, Giovinazzi. He was not far behind Vettel at that point. And yeah. Followed him, sort of followed him through as uh, Giovinazzi's tyres were going. Um, it was a shame that he'd had a good race up to that point, but yeah, it was it was an ambitious overtake. Too many, I think, wasn't it at that point? Yeah. Well, you know what though, it was identical to to. To Vettel's move on Kvyat. True. Other than the outcome. Was it Kvyat or Gasly? Gasly. Gasly. Yeah. Gasly, yeah. But the outcome, yeah, I mean, he just gave it that little bit too much beans on the way out the corner. It got had a teeny tiny oversteer moment and it, it, it just made his rear wheel tap into uh, Giovinazzi's car in just the, right, just the wrong position and yeah, yeah. given the puncture. It was really, really unfortunate. It can't have been a massive puncture as well because he went along a little bit before the tyre de- yeah. deflated. Um, Magnussen trolled the entire paddock by nicking fastest lap <laughs> on, on that 58 um, and finishing last. So no no championship point for him <laughs> there. Do you know yep. what the main reason he made that final pit stop? No, why? 
he had a plastic bag stuck in his front wing, which just had destroyed his aero, basically. The, he suddenly got very, very, very slow, and it's because there's a plastic bag just clogging up the entire front wing. Um, wow. And my absolute my absolute favourite thing about it is that um, a popular motorsport website, which I won't specifically name, uh, ran a story of this featuring an quote exclusive photo of the offending plastic bag and then just in the middle of the story is just a photo of a plastic bag with like exclusive oh, i love that i absolutely <laughs> love it here is Absolute. the bag yeah that was... the offending bag <laughs> oh my god and the caption what was something like to? singapore grand prix kevin magnuson's plastic bag <laughs> oh my god any honestly. excuse for an exclusive honestly <laughs> they've, well they've got my click i'll be i'll be going straight there <laughs> absolutely yeah so that that was that and then ferrari um so ferrari have won at three completely different types of circuit in the last mm. few races as mentioned by martin brundle um but my question to you two is is it too little too late with leclerc 96 points behind and vettel 102 behind with only 130 points maximum left on the table yes is a simple answer to that question <laughs> The short answer is indeed yes. <laughs> it's going to be a short podcast, guys. <laughs> yeah, the only person realistically that could beat Hamilton now is Bottas. And given what happened with them in this race, that's not going to happen, is yeah. it? You might say Hamilton's got a fingertip on the title. Yeah, I'd say he's got more than a fingertip, to be honest, at this point. Yeah. A palm? It's... <sighs> How much of an appendage has Hamilton got on the title, <laughs> would you say? I'd say he's got he's he's nearly got a full hand on it. I would say a full Almost hand, a full, a full hand. hand. What about you, Tom? How much of a how much how much of Hamilton is touching the title? Three and a quarter fingers. Three and yeah, a quarter sounds, fingers. Man. Yeah, it sounds about right. Yeah. So Do you think at my hand trying to sort of measure it. <laughs> three fingers and a fingertip? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Do you think Bottas considered at any point saying no? no. No, I, I think don't. the fact that he immediately started doing 48-8s would say no. <laughs> Must and have the liked. fact that he was coming through turn one and basically saw Lewis coming out the pit exits and went, oh, my accelerator appears to have lifted. <laughs> he, he clearly yeah. lifted through one and two. Oh, completely. Clearly. So, yeah. Because afterwards, um, James Wells was like, oh, well, I'll pay it back to you or something like that. Yeah. It's like, will you? going to game a pint down the pub. Like, what? Yeah, I was yeah. Say, that are you like? really going to ask Hamilton to drive slower to let Bottas finish in front of you in a race yeah. or two's time? Well, it's just never I don't gonna think happen, so. Yeah. No. That, I, I really think that moment right there is championship over. Yeah. yeah. Unless Hamilton suddenly goes on a run of DNFs, but... Yeah. It's just not going to happen, is it? I mean, we only need, like, you know, I mean, it's not out of the realms of possibility. We only need, like, two DNFs. If if Sebastian Vettel can have DNFs, a four-time world champion, there's nothing to stop Hamilton having DNFs. And we've seen it in the past. Yeah. You know, he had a he had the uh, engine failure in Malaysia, which cost him a title in 2014, I want to say. No, 16, 16, sorry. Yes, the, 16. Year, um, the year Rosberg won it. Um. They have been a little bit sort of behind Ferrari this last few races, so they are going to like fall back into the field possibly a touch, and and just there's that they're not going to be running away into the distance. So there's that added element yeah. of risk. There's going to be integration with other cars on track. There's going to be more yeah. around them. To, it looks like possibly towards the end of the season. So 
you know, it's. It, I think it's. I do think it's. It's absolutely still worth watching. It's still. Oh, completely. It's still relatively. It only takes one small thing to happen, and it. And you know, it, it opens up again. So while yeah. we say now that it looks like he's got three fingers and and a quarter on the title, <laughs> it, 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 one DNF, and that's not no longer the case. You know. Yeah. It goes back to like it two goes and back and to like two and a half one, yeah. He's losing it. He's losing it. <laughs> yeah, but I guess that's the that's the problem, though, isn't it? Like, if Mercedes aren't going to be expected to win, like even if Hamilton has two DNFs, Bottas winning both those races would still leave him fifteen adrift. And yeah, and and the cars behind, it's still you know they'd still be like fifty points behind as well. So exactly, yeah. Yeah. If, and, and if, say, Vettel wins both races, Hamilton has two DNFs, he's still 50 points back. More exactly, than that. yeah. So, yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's, not looking, <laughs> it's not looking great for those guys. But, but, but Bottas, you know, Bottas could be... I mean, Bottas could be kicking himself if, if that kind of thing happens by the end of the season and it does tighten back up again. That crash, that, that DNF Bottas had in Germany could be the deciding factor yeah. between the... yeah. The two, you know. So but yeah, I think be, there's sixty five points between them. Sixty five after yeah. this race, yeah. To be completely honest with you though, I've kind of already accepted that this is another Hamilton season and right now I'm just mm. enjoying the races as they are because we're having lots of very exciting races, especially now Red Bull and Ferrari have like closed the gap yeah. so much. Yeah. So I'm just kind of enjoying it week on week for what it is. You're a you're a Hamilton fanboy, Chris. That's what you are. That's my trouble, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, too much of a fanboy. Now Hamilton's definitely going to win the title. I can relax and enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. not so it's not good. true at all. That's so funny. Um, okay, so shall we pick some of the days? Let's do some of the days. Okay, um, who's your driver of the day, chaps? I've got Sites as my driver of the day. Honestly, I find it really hard to choose somebody here. Um, it's really hard. Like, so many of the front runners were um, kind of sandbagging to save tyres that I don't think they warrant it. Um, <laughs> the main one that I think would, and is where my vote went at the time, was Max, because I think that he did a very good job to end up where he did. Um, I know we say this is a, a track where Red Bull try and maximise themselves and make the most of it to, to take advantage of you know their advantages in their car but i think he probably did the best he could with that if if not better considering that all four of the ferraris and mercs between them finished for max to sandwich himself between them i think is fairly impressive yeah yeah i i think the red bull definitely as an individual then he's we've not really mentioned red bull have we this race red bull have kind of been dreaming a little bit haven't they about like how mm. quick they are recently like they, i think they may be i mean we I mean, we were guilty of it last race we were expecting yeah. them to last episode sorry we were expecting them to be like right in the mix for this race and fighting for the win yeah. to be to be really really honest they just never looked in contention for the win did they no i mean they were, they were there thereabouts in quality and kind of during the race with the mercedes but just nobody expected ferrari to do what they did yeah that's true yeah and that's what made it a weird race. Like it was, it was compelling, but it was like, 
It was almost like a hare and a tortoise race, except there were no hares, only tortoises. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was the hare and tortoise without the hares. So the hare was George race. Russell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, or Kevin Magnuson when his first I wanted to give a mention to Giovinazzi. Um, <laughs> first time he'd ever raced here, qualified 10th, finished 10th. Uh, he also actually had some suspension damage after that um, clash with Ricardo and still managed to keep it going and bring it home in 10th. Yeah. Um, which is, I, th- I thought was worth a mention. Yeah, um, another one worth a mention then. If, you, if that's the case, probably Norris as well. Yeah. Another best of the rest for him. Yeah. Yeah. Best of the rest. Rookie, best of the rest. Like, that's that's pretty good going. And Alexander Albon as well. It's his first time. Granted, he's in a much faster car, but... Um, you know, he he kept his nose clean and actually was uh, it was quickest at one point in um, in yeah. practice. I think FP two or three, he was the fastest car at, at, a, yeah. at a certain stage of the session. So you don't really expect that from a, a rookie, no matter what car they're in. So no, yeah. Um, honestly, I'm almost tempted to say Vettel as well. Like he he got given an opportunity to win the race, and he grabbed it with both hands and did exactly what he needed to do to take that lead. Every safety car restart was absolutely perfect. He had the pace to like, you know, he had Leclerc, Verstappen, Hamilton, Bottas all breathing down his neck and he just had the pace to hold them all at bay. Um, I mean, I know he's always done pretty well at this circuit, but it was a damn good drive from him. As boring as it is to say the winner. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. The reason I say science for mine is is just because without sort of I don't know had you finished there? <laughs> like I had yeah. Of like steamrolled your uh, <laughs> driver of the day. Um, yes, for science, like uh, to to be unfortunate at the start. You know, he started in um, I think seventh. He started ahead of Hulkenberg, and Hulkenberg kind of like just you know put it, put it up the inside without science expecting him to be there, and it was unfortunate that science got the puncture. He dropped right to the back, and then the recovery to yeah to be fair you know the safety cars helped him out a fair amount but you know to to stay to keep your nose clean in that situation and to stay in it and to uh, as a team as well to keep him sort of motivated to race he wasn't to finish not that far out of the points having been a lap down at one point in the race I think that's pretty good going it is yeah it is I'd be more convinced if he'd actually managed to nick a point but yeah still still impressive that's a hard one Honestly, I think I'm going to give my vote to Vettel. Yeah, I could, I could, I could be convinced to vote for Vettel. What about you, Tom? Are you more Verstappen? He's still leaning towards Verstappen still. I'll go along with it. Just go along unanimous. With... I'll go along with it. <laughs> okay. Democracy. Yeah. Yay. Um, forced democracy. <laughs> That's what everyone likes to hear. Um, move of the day. Um, we've got. Ricardo versus Kvyat written down here early in the race. Yeah, that was race, a really good one. We mentioned that already. That was a banger, wasn't it? The, the, like we said before, a few corners leading into it, you could see, sort of see it. The, the best ones are the ones where it's like a duel and, and someone's sizing the other person up and the other person's defending and they're on their, their like last thread of defense before, yeah. before the inevitable happens. It's just so exciting to watch those kinds of moves unfold. And yeah, I can agree with that one definitely for move of the day. Yeah, move of I the also... day, Grosjean, for letting the ink just about dry in his new contract before ramming it into somebody. 
<laughs> yeah. Smart man. <laughs> uh, yeah, some, that's a good one. Yeah, some stick this episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wrote down, there. Were, I think it was, it was after the first or second safety card, there was a a Gasly, Hulkenberg, Magnuson battle where they all kind of swapped places multiple times throughout consecutive corners and Gasly eventually came out on top of that one. Um, mm. That was that was very entertaining, I thought. Yeah, I'm trying to think. There was another one similar to that. So there were a few. There were quite a few. Different there was I'd... also that crazy battle in the closing laps for 11th place as well. It was like Grosjean, Sainz, Stroll, and yeah. Ricardo and like Kvyat was on the back of them as well. All like dueling for their lives over 11th place <laughs> so who are we giving it to who's who's the who's the winner for me it's caveat it's ricardo still on caveat yeah i think it is that one my serious answer is ricardo versus caveat i think it is that one yeah cool 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 we're unanimous on that one then and finally honestly what the f- are we doing here it's a tough one. i think it's a bit of a i guess wasn't the on it wasn't it's no it's not a ferrari related one I don't think Ferrari. I don't think Ferrari put a foot wrong in this race. <laughs> to be honest, no. they did everything right. Um, probably Russell and Grosjean was a bit like, "How does that happen?" Kind of thing. Yeah. that was a bit. That was a bit of a weird W. That was a WTF moment. Um, any others? Stroll sort of stroll driving himself. His front left just into the wall all by himself was kind of a. That was another one. Yeah, that whole stroll sequence. Yeah. Um. There's nothing else that really leaps to mind, to be honest. No, there's nothing even that funny. No bizarre moments either. Like it, it just all it was all very textbook. In there I guess the... like everyone like being slow, being slow at the start of the race. Like everyone like sort of. The yeah, you know, the Mexican standoff aspect of the race, the tire yeah. saving that was going on. Like, I don't, I don't know about you guys, but like for me, I don't really like to see racing like that. I don't really no. like to see tire preserving races. I prefer to see drivers pushing and going for fast laps and and going for overtakes. Like it just no, seemed totally. all. It was just so conservative the first half of that race. I wouldn't have blamed people for just turning off because it looked very processional up to that point. Up to the yeah, pit stops. it's swings and roundabouts, though, isn't it? Because I think if if they'd have all pushed, then we wouldn't have got the other aspects of interesting race on the flip side. Like you wouldn't have seen Feb and Feb. You wouldn't <laughs> have seen Seb and Charles trying to fight the way through. Who were essentially the front runners at the time, even though they're not the midfield cars, they were running at the front at the time. We wouldn't have had that to watch. We wouldn't have had probably the midfield battles that we got out of it because they wouldn't have been getting caught up in the the top teams' fights. And I think that it did sort of lay the stepping stones, I guess, for the rest of the race. Mm. I think if the front runners had just disappeared, they'd have two stopped, and then we would have probably got something much more processional than the the little bit that we did get at the start where they were conserving. So I think overall, bigger picture, it worked out for the better of that. Mm, it definitely made it interesting. Yeah. Um, it made yeah. it different. Um, so I suppose for that reason, I'm not going to get you, you guys that are going to agree with me that it was a WTF moment. Um, <laughs> so it falls back, it probably falls back to Grosjean and Russell then. I would have there thought. was the Ferrari guy nearly falling over on the podium. 
<laughs> yeah, oh, that little thing. Yeah, that was a fun little thing. But not it's not quite WTF worthy. I don't want to give it a, a, a strategy a, a head of strategy no. WTF award just for tripping up. I think that'd be a bit harsh. <laughs> it probably is Grosjean, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's just got to be. Like there's so much there was so much space there. What was he doing? Like it is a that for me that is a what the heck are you doing moment. Yeah. Grosjean it is. Yeah. Grosjean. Um should we do some predictions results? Um Oh, there's a quick couple of stats I wanted to mention before we do. Go on then. When Hamilton led this race, he equaled Schumacher on the most races led. It's 142 races he's now been in the lead of. So one more lap in the lead and he'll be get another record that Lewis Hamilton takes of the most races ever led. Wow. This is also the first time in Singapore there's ever been a one-two, which is a crazy stat. Yeah, that's insane, that one. Wow, fun stat. Yeah, she wanted to give them a quick mention. Um, and another thing we've not really said is that it was actually really nice to see Seb win a race, wasn't it? Yeah. Like, I was really, really happy for him. I was, I, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't rooting for him in qualifying. <laughs> like <I'm> yeah, same. <laughs> I like, really thought much... he was going to snatch it at one point. Well, it's one of those things where it's it, it can only do good realistically because it just kind of quietens down this whole talk of has he had enough? Is he past it? All, all that kind of nonsense. It, if he did have any doubt in his own mind, he's kind of satisfied himself there with like feeling that he's, he's back to old ways and is just shown in general that he is more than capable of it. If When the opportunity if arises. The opportunity. Yeah. And yeah, so I, th- I think it's good all round. Yeah, I also really liked after the race as well. He like dedicated the race to everyone who just like sent him nice messages of like, you know, we're still with you, and people go through rough patches and come back kind of thing. Like, as it just seemed to mean a lot to him to finally get that win. It was it was very nice to see. Yeah, he was tearing up, wasn't he? he was, yeah, and, really and nice. as you would. Yeah. On to less good news. Let's do predictions. <laughs> We're normally highlighting green on our yeah. document where we've got things right. Stu's takes upon himself to highlight in red where we've got things wrong. And it's, it's all of it. It's everything. we just got everything wrong. <laughs> Can None I just point out that it's only on predictions. I don't go through the document and say you are wrong <laughs> no, about specifically this driver. It's just, just predictions. <laughs> I'm not an arsehole. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, none of us came close, really, did we? The, the less said about it, no, better. <laughs> We're miles off, absolutely miles. <laughs> As for all you lovely listeners who are better than us at this, uh, Austin Kavanagh was the top scorer this week. He got uh, three. Um, no one had Russell as first DNF, which is unsurprising, I guess, given that this is Williams' first uh, DNF of the season, um, which yeah. is wild. Um, lots of people had Perez, so there were lots of half points knocking around uh, for that. Uh, the overall leaderboard uh, stays the same with Timothy George uh, first on 25.5 points, followed by Max Coutant on 23.5 and Katie O'Brien on 22. So those three are still crazy, crazy close at the top. Um, as for us, hmm. I remain in 44th on 15, Stu, your 57th on 14, and Tom is 73rd on 13. So still two points. Yeah. Three points covering all three of us. It's close. All to play for. All to play for. So that is Singapore done. Uh, but what about Russia? Uh, let's do some predictions for the next race. Um, who wants to start us off with fastest in Q3? Uh, I'm going to go Bottas. 
Ooh. Of course, it's, yeah. It's Russia. It's Bottas's favourite place. It's, mm, yeah. Tom, Tom seems know. unconvinced. I'm, com- I'm, not, I'm not convinced. I'm going Lewis. He's going Lewis. He's going Lewis. I think if I don't say Bottas and it is him, I'm going to kick myself because it's the <laughs> obvious answer. So I've got to go Bottas. Yeah. And while I'm talking, I'm going to put Bottas for the win as well. Ooh. I'm doing it. Bottas FTW. Straight in there. Please. Are you doing the same? Double yeah, Bottas. It's in. Ooh. Tom? B-Bot. <laughs> Do you know what? I'm going to join you both. Oh, why not? Oh, welcome, welcome aboard. Welcome aboard the Bottas train. Choo-choo. We could all be Bottas fanboys together. God, I really hope we're right. <laughs> yeah. Um, first DNF, I'll let you go first on this one, Tom. Uh, last, um, last season, it was Brendan Hartley with break issue. <laughs> Followed by Pierre Gasly with brake issues. I'm going to go Roman Grosjean having a brake issue <laughs> into the side of someone or a wall. Yeah. <laughs> I.e. he doesn't use them when he should. <laughs> Stu, who do you think is going to have a brake issue? Uh, I think Stroll is going to have another shocker. He's going to have lost confidence from his self-destruction. Yep. I feel... I'm feeling a Toro Rosso. I'm gonna go. That's because you've seen the last two. From last yeah, time. I think it's, I'm gonna go for a Gasly. I think. Ooh, we keep saying Gasly, and he keeps actually doing okay. It's got to happen eventually. Yeah, he's well, definitely yeah, more comfortable just... in that Toro Rosso. Oh, he definitely he? is. So there's a, there's clearly a fundamental difference between the two cars. Absolutely. That he's happy with, old... Or a team environment, or whatever it is. It's yeah. It's the old, the old monkey typewriter paradox, isn't it? <laughs> Um, number of finishers I'm probably first on this one it was 18 last year it's going to be 17 this year oh, still on my guess you can have it as well if you want <laughs> no I'll be more optimistic and say 18 just to be different 18 again Stu I'm going to go 16 Ah, the, the, the same three we always have in just a slightly different old, order old faithful yeah. And finally, a random driver. So many big names left. Sebastian Vettel. Ooh. Ouch. <laughs> Considering we've all got Merck at the oh front. Yeah. God, that's difficult. That's really um, difficult. I'm going to go... He had a podium last year. I'm going to go third. Another podium. Yeah, I think he'll be behind the Mercedes, but ahead of his teammate. I'm going to go... Third feels right, actually. I don't understand like I'm stealing your idea, but third does feel right. Yeah. It's... Tom's going to say something completely different. Yeah, I am. Um, You're going to say fourth, aren't you? I'm going to say... You could hedge bets and say first. Second. Second? Oh, he's gone the other way. I'm I'm going Hamilton issue here. Hamilton on Portland, some kind of issue. You think it's going to happen? So the Hamilton downfall is going to start in Russia. Not necessarily a downfall, just <laughs> downfall. a bad race, a bad race. When yeah. you say downfall, I always think of that scene in Downfall where <laughs> Hitler is like in the bunker. Oh, you you know a Formula One version of that exists somewhere. <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, I think there's a, there's one in relation to McLaren somewhere. 
which is really, <laughs> really funny. It wouldn't surprise me if there's one about Grosjean's driving as well. Probably. <laughs> if there's not yet, there will that, be some. That, that's, no, that's just real life. That's Gunter Steiner. That's, that's, called dri- <laughs> that's drive to survive, mate. That's, that's an actual thing. It's not a meme. It's real. <laughs> Speaking of that, how much influence do you think Netflix had on Grosjean getting another contract? Yeah. I wonder. <laughs> do yeah. Anyway, um, so that's what we think. Uh, but as always, uh, do get involved on the website, backofthegrid.com, where you can enter your predictions. There's a prize, as always, for anyone who get five out of five. So get involved. Cool. Yeah. And shall we really quickly do a team to watch and a driver to watch each for uh, for Russia? Because we, we didn't cock this up at all. <laughs> Please don't make my editing job harder by having to fix things like that, Stu. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard enough as it is. Please don't do that. Um. A team to watch. I want to say Renault, you know, because I was I was surprised by how quick they were in Singapore because I, I thought the Monza pace was just a like an anomaly because of the aero package that goes there. So it was good to see them more or less on the pace of the midfield, mm. and if not faster than a lot of the midfield, almost of it, other than the McLarens. Yeah. So it's them for me. Mm. It's them. I like I like your thinking. Um I'm actually gonna go McLaren for almost the same reasons. I think <laughs> Renault are uh, sort of snapping at their heels and it's gonna be a that, that fight is looking quite spice to in as we get <laughs> leading towards the end of the season. So yeah. Chris? Um well you two have said the two teams I was thinking of, so I'm just going to agree <laughs> I with how both you of chuckled you. to yourself. <laughs> yeah. He just stole them both. Yeah. So I'm going to go first with a driver to watch. Go for it. Um, I am going to say Daniel Ricciardo. I reckon he might well nick that best of the rest spot this weekend. Um, Renault looking strong. He's definitely been the faster of the two uh, Renault drivers for a good few races now. Um, so yeah, I'm backing him to pop up in best of the rest. Ooh, that's good. Um, I'm thinking Vettel. I want to see him. I want to see if he's he's got over his slump. If if he can sort of, you know, get it in gear and be, just beat his teammate. And you know, there's going to be a lot of uh, there's going to be an interesting dynamic between those two. Only a week after Singapore, so yeah, that's my yeah. vibe. I'm thinking I'm going to go science for this one, as in. He had a very good drive to get back to where he did in Singapore. He's just had two or three weekends now where he's had like shocking luck of some description. So get him a clean weekend and see if he can nick that best of the rest spot because I think he's capable of it. He's driving to a level where he's capable of it. He's just being let down by luck and outside factors. So give him a clean weekend and see what he can do. That's that's mine. I like it. <laughs> Great. So uh, we'll move on to a little bit of news. Um, right through these real quick. So Grosjean has been confirmed at Haas for next season. Um, as we mentioned, <laughs> even though the ink's not quite dry on his contract, he's still... <laughs> they were desperately it. looking for for little get-out clauses. Like, are we sure this is definite? Yeah, yeah. It's probably cost them, already cost them more than what the price of the new contract is <laughs> I, mean, being I, I did see someone say so obviously Hulkenberg was like in the frame for a Haas drive um, and there were reports that one of the big factors in them not signing him is his monetary demands I did see someone say maybe they should do some maths on 
how much Grosjean cost them in new parts <laughs> and whether that would yeah. outweigh how much more Hulkenberg would cost. Yeah, and you know what? I'm sure they did. I'm sure they have done that. I'm, that I'm sure that. I'm, I'm sure they know exactly how much Grosjean costs them in new wings and new bits. Yeah. I'd love to know how much that is. We should figure that out. That And that is that is possible to figure that out. I will uh, yeah. try and do that. Is that. Are we surprised that Grosjean got that seat again? A little bit, yeah. I am a little bit surprised at that. As I tweeted out at the time, this is now three seasons in a row. We've all said this is definitely Grosjean's last season in Formula One and all three times he has proven us wrong somehow. Yeah. Uh, Kubica has announced he's leaving Williams at the end of the year. Um, Is that a surprise? It seemed to catch Williams off guard, if anything. (laughs) Williams is somewhat surprised about it. They sounded... I mean, it's... I kind of feel like it's him taking the initiative, knowing that he's almost certainly not going to get that seat next year. But Williams did seem genuinely surprised that he just decided to announce this himself. Like I'm going to put it out there. I think, generally speaking, it's for the better. I it think was, so as well. It was a nice story for him to come back to the sport and be given the opportunity to, to see if he can compete. And unfortunately, he's been outperformed by a rookie. And I think the you know the formula and stuff's changed too much for him. And he's not. He, he's if he can't beat George on a regular basis, then I think it does warrant somebody else having the seat. And whether he's spoke to Williams about it or not, or just made the decision off his own back, whatever it might be. I think ultimately it's the right thing to do. And I've got respect for him for standing up and saying somebody else deserves this seat more than me at the minute so i'm gonna walk away from it and i think i've got respect for him for doing that as well as yeah wow, it was very so, mature approach, yeah. yeah martin brunel said much the same at some point over the weekend like yes it's incredibly came back and he should absolutely be applauded for having the tenacity and everything to make it back is incredible but at the same time as as a fan of the sport it's not particularly nice to see him struggling and he's clearly not yeah. enjoying it that much i don't think if it's fair to say um mm-hmm. so yeah i think it'd be much nice to see him doing something else where he can enjoy himself and maybe have a bit more success yeah of course it doesn't help that he's in like the slowest car on the grid exactly yeah that can't that can't motivate you too much to stick around when you're not you're literally not beating anyone because you're in such a rubbish yeah. car um, Gunther Steiner said they're talking to him about a potential simulator role, but Kubica has reportedly said he's interested in racing and not working from a factory. Um, Which is a, fair. Yeah, absolutely. There's a good chance he'll turn up in DTM next year with Audi. I think that'd be cool. I think he'd feel like a good fit for DTM, I think. Yeah. No. Yeah. DTM <laughs> I, I seems really... to be a series where like older drivers can turn up and be kind of on pace with the sort of younger guys yeah and wreck shop yeah (laughs) um okay shall we move on to some messages from our lovely listeners let's inbox box box i should say box 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 inbox uh tom Um, do you want to kick us off yeah brooke archer says uh max was the quiet achiever this race wasn't a lot of talk about him and to beat both mercedes to the podium in singapore is something to be proud of but is singapore no longer strictly a mercedes track or was this weekend just a fluke for the ferraris no it's definitely mm. not a fluke for the ferraris i don't think so they were there on merit by, by far for having been quicker in, on three tracks in a row now 
yeah, I think whatever Ferrari have found, they've just got the fastest car now, I think. Yeah. Yeah, which is where we expected them to be in Australia. <laughs> many, many months ago. It is a shame it took them nearly six months to deal with that <laughs> and sort it. But they're there now, which is bodes well for next season, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, next, Dario Nessi says, how will the rapport between Vettel and the club be? If they're going to keep fighting each other for next likely wins for Ferrari, do you think we'll be able to see a teammate battle like Rosberg versus Hamilton? I don't think quite on that level. No, I don't because... think so either. <laughs> they're not fighting for a championship. But I think it, yeah. it would be a lot different if they were fighting for a championship. I think if they were fighting for a championship, Leclerc would actually probably come out on top given recent recent form. Um, just the way that Vettel seems a lot more easily disturbed, I guess. Like he, he seems to get unsettled a lot easier than he used to and Leclerc doesn't. Um, Leclerc doesn't seem to have let anything phase him. Mm. So I think if it did come down to that, he might come out on top. I also don't believe Ferrari would let that happen. Ferrari just don't yeah. stand for that stuff. So I saw today um, an Italian journalist um, translated a bit of the team radio for the end of the race. Um, and Bonotto said to Leclerc, um, go to podium and enjoy it. We'll discuss the race afterwards. And Leclerc kind of just sort of went Meh, on the radio. And Bonotto just said, full stop. Like, yeah. Ferrari just don't stand for that. It's like, we, there's no way we air our dirty laundry in public. We'll discuss it behind the yeah. scenes. We'll go out to the media and say, Ferrari, amazing. We love everything and get on with it. Yeah. Um, the, the thing, just on sort of both of their sort of driving, I think, you know, I said this last week, I think, I don't think it's necessarily Vettel himself who has the issue. I do think it's the car. I think Vettel's had much grippier cars in the past than this Ferrari. Yeah, definitely. And um, Leclerc has much less grippy cars in the past than this Ferrari. So it's kind of like Vettel probably expects a lot more from the car, whereas Leclerc is still finding sort of the limit of the car, if you know what I mean. It makes sense. So, and, yeah. I, I don't think it's necessarily the, the driving talent that I would call into question more than anything. It's more just the mentality. I think, see, like, when it comes back to the rapport thing, I think the rapport between them will be fine, at yeah. least for the time being, because the key thing for me is a radio message from Charles mid-race basically saying, look, the team is going to get a one-two here, and I am not going to jeopardise that because that is the ultimate for Ferrari, is a one-two. But I want you to know I'm not happy that I've ended up behind him. And it was basically just a very stern way of saying, I'm not going to do anything stupid. I'm not going to make a stupid move. I'm not saying I won't attempt something if he leaves the door open, but I'm not going to be stupid about it because I can see the bigger picture. And I think that was like very calm, cool, collected. And it's, it's why Ferrari love him to pieces like they do, because... He does think like that. He genuinely would rather one two that race and get maximum points for Ferrari than he would end up in an incident with his teammate because he's fighting hmm. for a win from second. And, and for, I think he genuinely does feel that way. And for a twenty-one year old in his second season, yeah, like that's it's very mature of him to kind of yeah have that attitude and see it that way. Kevin Crossgrave says, why does James, in inverted commas, have to tell Bottas who's on the radio? Does Bottas get phone calls during the race? Maybe has been sold PPI. PPI. <laughs> um, 
This well, the serious answer is because James doesn't normally speak to James is the yeah. senior yeah, star, I guess so. so he doesn't normally speak to Bottas. It'll be Bottas engineer who normally speaks to him. So when you hear him say it's James, he's just saying I'm the boss. But it is. Her, yeah. I, I do. I like your thinking, Kevin. <laughs> it is funny that, like, given how much Valtteri's James became like a, a joke and whatever, mm. that this race when he came on the radio, he said it in exactly the same way. Yeah, I was like, why are they playing an old radio <laughs> message? Yeah. On, honestly, that that message is like it's the new Fernando is fast. It really is. It's, yeah, it's like Valtteri. It's James. Yeah, we need you. To I have bad news. <laughs> Anytime I need to speak to someone on the phone and I've got bad news for them, I'm just going to open my <laughs> open the sentence with "It's James." <laughs> <laughs> They're like, "No, it's Stu." <laughs> and I'm like, "Don't worry about that. <laughs> Your name isn't James, and my name isn't Valtteri. What are you talking about?" Yeah, yeah. And no one, because no one I know watches Formula One, no one will get it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, next, Charlotte Taylor asks, uh, what do you think of Lewis and Seb's opinions on the reverse grid qualifying ideas? Do you um, know what their opinions were on that? <laughs> yes. Oh, um, I, I, saw, I sort of bre- half saw this. Okay. The thing for me is, of course, they're going to say what they've said because they're the guys who are fighting for Paul every week. Exactly. So, <laughs> yeah. so, of course, they're going to say, we don't like it. It's stupid. Yeah, they said it was bull, didn't they? they bull, bull poop. Yeah. Yeah. But they used. Yep. The, they didn't use the poop word. They used a different word for yeah, poop. Yeah, they used the proper word. They, proper, they always the proper word. word. <laughs> the proper word. The big boy word. The grown-up <laughs> word that we can't say. They always <laughs> like to talk about how much they enjoy being involved in close racing right up until they don't win those close races. Yeah. yeah. What was the uh, what was the reverse grid qualifying idea? Was it the same as ours? More or less that it's a reverse championship grid, reverse championship race on Saturday and the result of that decides the grid for Sunday. So having a qualifying race. That is a crap idea. I don't want a qualifying race. That's a terrible idea. I agree with them. Yeah, I, I think reverse grid race for points itself, good idea, but qualifying's good, leave qualifying's is. Yeah, leave qualifying. Yeah, alone. I think I think they'd have been more open to a race for points. Yeah. And leaving the main race as was. Yeah. But Oh god, they're so yeah. close to having a good idea, aren't they? Just <laughs> just just go that little bit further Ross? and you've got a good idea. Ross. There. Ross. Uh, the next James. Do that? I think we've covered that one <laughs> <laughs> that's good Tom um, the next one. Oh, that's me the next one that's, well the next few you. actually we've had a few along similar lines yeah. uh, so Ines Ramos says what do you guys think about swapping the drivers when a team undercuts one of his own uh, some say it's not fair to switch back because it's racing so sometimes you're lucky and sometimes you're not was it fair what Ferrari did and was it fair what Mercedes did uh, Dakota Botello says any thoughts about the contrast uh, between Ferrari team strategy and Mercedes team strategy with Merck they've made it pretty clear who's number one with Ferrari it seems less obvious and Vasco Brettenfeld says what do you think about Ferrari strategy while well, watching the race I was shocked for how unfair it was but then I realised it fulfilled both the team goal getting 1-2 and it fulfilled Charles's strategy goal staying in front of Hamilton so I guess it wasn't that bad so I guess to link all that together what do we think about a, what Ferrari did, B, what Mercedes did, and mm. the the contrast between the two, I guess. My blank During the time. race, I coined it as Ferrari done a Mercedes and Mercedes done a Ferrari. Because <laughs> that's what it felt like it while I was did. watching it. Yeah. It was like, Merck are doing a Ferrari here. They're, like, they're going excessively long on these tyres and it's just never going to pay out. Like They're holding out for something that 
might never happen, which is a very Ferrari thing to do mm. sometimes. And Ferrari just got on with it and were like, right, let's pit, let's get on these fresh tires, let's just make it count, and let's get both cars done. And like that was a very Mercedes approach to things, and it just seemed flipped. It was a nice yeah. change. Maybe they've done a, like a maybe they've done like a voluntary like swap strategists transfer <laughs> this week for this race. Maybe it's been something like that. Um, my blanket answer to that is um, I'd prefer to see drivers race. Just let them race, um, which obviously wasn't happening. So I'd rather see racing going on rather than what what was absolutely team orders from the from the based on the top four cars yeah so. i guess both of them did, shame. did team order it I'm, I'm much happier with the way that ferrari went about it than mercedes though out of the two like the ferrari one was more whole position let's not do anything stupid with what we've got yeah here. yeah yeah the mercedes one was blatantly go three seconds a lap slower or else <laughs> like that was, it was very blatant the mercedes yeah, one yeah I, didn't... So I was less happy about that I'm, i agree with you there um but either way however you feel about how it shook out both of those decisions were the correct decision for the teams to maximize the, teams, the number of yeah. points they got and yeah, ultimately, exactly. that's the decisions they have to make. I just yeah. think you're a Vettel fanboy, Chris. I think that's what's going on here. <laughs> In the last uh, 20 minutes, I've switched from a Hamilton fanboy to a Vettel yeah. fanboy. Yeah. As soon as, you, as soon as you approve of anything a driver does, you're a fanboy. <laughs> Emmett Nugent says, Will this weekend lead to Bottas having a weak end to the season like last year? Um, possibly. <laughs> I, th- I think Bottas has been having a weak second half of the season, to be completely honest. Yeah, Bottas um, 2.0 never really actually happened, did it? He 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 had software issues and had to downgrade back to 1.0. It lasted until Azerbaijan, <laughs> but then, yeah, it, too many bugs in the system. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, if anything, I am actually a Bottas fanboy, to be completely serious, but... And I was I was so excited at the start this of this season. He was hard. leading the, he was leading the championship after four races. Like, this is it. He's actually going to take the fight to him, and it's just not panned out. Hmm. You just got a thing for fins, haven't you? I kind of do, actually. To be fair, yeah. though, I'm, I feel like I'm less of a Raikkonen fan than most people, but I am a big fan of all other Finnish drivers. Yeah, but you were a big fan of um, Hakkinen in his day. You were oh, a absolutely. fan at one point, were you not? Yeah, I'm I a Kovalainen so, fan. I, was always, I always liked Kovalainen. Yeah, I like Kovalainen. He was cool. So, what does he do? He does rallycross, I think, now, Kovalainen or something. Yeah. He's finished, so he probably yeah. does rally driving. Yeah. <laughs> so, in answer to the question, yes. <laughs> uh, yes. Yes. Um, Eric R says If you had to choose, would you rather have a grid full of all constructors or all customer cars? Oh, wow. That's an interesting question. All constructors. Well, that's technically what we've got now all constructors. Technically. <laughs> Except for I mean, everything, and Williams. Why and Williams? Point. Why how are Williams not a constructor? I think he means manufacturer constructors, like Mercedes, Ferrari, oh, Renault. Right. Okay. He's talking manufacturers. Right. Um, I, I'm assuming that's the general part. Of the yeah. Question. I mean, it's constructors, isn't it? Like a, a grid of customer car. Well, you can't, they can't all be customer cars because they'll all have to be a customer of someone. <laughs> but yeah, the most ultim- you can have is like a half and half. Grid ultimately, half the customer cars are never really going to regularly beat the 
the works cars. The works cars, no. So, yeah. So it means that works is... teams, doesn't it? So essentially, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Red Bull are a customer car, are a, are a yeah. constructor. They're a customer of a works team, which is uh, Honda. Oh, no, they're a works team now, Honda. <laughs> but they were a customer yeah. of the Renault team for a lot of years and they were hammering Renault for ages. So, yeah. you know, I don't think that's necessarily the case if you've got the right team in place and the right thing and you're building your own aero uh, the, the the thing here is the definite i think i'd like to see more manufacturers in f1 yeah i'd like to see yeah, like vw yeah. show up with something i'd like to see um aston martin maybe have a proper you know works team rather than just sort of sponsoring red bull and having a technical partnership with them um yeah. so the answer if i could choose if i would rather have one or the other, I'd probably go all manufacturers. Yeah, I agree. It would be nice to have ten different manufacturers and ten different teams. Yeah. I'm sure the I'm sure the sport would like to have ten different manufacturers. In oh, yeah, the the thing would. is, like, it's an unrealistic expectation because there aren't ten manufacturers out there that can put the kind of money together that will allow them to compete in Formula One. Yeah, I guess. Um, Not without like some weird. Um, internal relationship like such as Alpha to Ferrari like if Alpha started doing their own engine it's still part yeah. of that Ferrari family isn't it as an example yeah like well, there'd like, be some intermingled yeah relationship somewhere between certain teams well the, the car industry itself is is dominated by sort of probably the, in the west dominated by maybe five or six different companies that own all the different yeah. brands so you've got general motors who own a bunch of stuff um you've got volkswagen group who own absolutely loads i think mercedes own a bunch of different brands um there's the nissan renault sort of partnership which is which <laughs> yeah, covers a yeah. bunch of other stuff toyota own a whole bunch of different brands like lexus and scion and which i think is now defunct but yeah it's a uh, it's very boring and it's not why you're here so i'll shut up about it <laughs> okay um in answer to the heike carveline question the most recent thing he did was super gt in japan last season where he won one race on the way to ninth in the championship but he doesn't appear to be doing this 2019 season no. so there's yeah. your heike carveline update for the week Thanks. <laughs> that no one asked for. Thanks, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> uh, finally, K. Mengham says, is the second half of the season a good omen for 2020? Hopefully Ferrari, Red Bull, and maybe occasionally a McLaren fighting for a podium. We can hope. Yeah, uh, hopefully. It's hard to say right now, isn't it? But I hope so. It is. And like the grid always does close up a little bit more as the season goes on, but it's all yeah. boding quite well. Like the the McLaren revival seems to be a genuine thing, and they are genuinely moving forward. Mm. Well, the McLaren thing—they're going to have a complete revolution next season. The, oh the God, that's never a good sign, different. is it? Yeah, Seedles, um obviously oh, no. do, done a lot with what they've got so far, but yeah, it's an entirely new philosophy coming from from <sighs> McLaren next year. <sighs> that worries Which, me. Uh, I wouldn't worry too much because it's an entirely different management team there now. So, and he's done a lot with what they've got. So, I have high hopes. Uh, yeah, I was, I was about to say that it's it's a brand new car from a team that's made the existing car as good as it is. So, I yeah, I guess that's another way of looking at down it. about it, Chris. It's it, but it, you know the jury's out on it, isn't it? Like you don't know until yeah testing. Well, over the last one. sort of 
six years or so, probably more than that now, I've learned to be very cautious whenever McLaren starts saying positive things and being confident. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, yeah. The, the, the other thing they've said is they're not going to risk they're not going to risk next season's car to pr- protect fourth place in the championship this year, which means obviously That's good. they're, they're That's looking positive. healthy budget wise, and they, you know, they can their focus. They're really at that point now where it's time to probably switch focus onto. Yeah. And they have got the quick. They've still yeah. got the quickest car of the midfield. So yeah, definitely. Um, and, and they proved that. You know, science proved that by coming back from last place to twelfth over the space of what. 10 laps <laughs> yeah yeah so i mean even yeah. if they haven't got the results they've been the best of the rest car for several races in a row now the look's not gone their way but they've definitely had the speed yeah and then in terms of the top three teams like they should be yeah they definitely should be a little bit closer together because just as a set of regulations goes on and judging by how close all the cars are anyway at the moment then yeah they should only get closer next season yeah absolutely and I think that is all we've got time for this week. Wow, we've somehow managed to drag it out. Um, <laughs> it's all those 148.8s. Yeah. I'm going to keep saying that. <laughs> uh, please do like, share and subscribe to this podcast. We, it helps us loads. It really, really does. So, and we love it when you when we hear from you. Um, you can find us on Twitter at Back of the Grid F1. Um, you can find us on Facebook by searching for back of the grid and on instagram at back of the grid um, you can also visit our website and communicate with us that way it's back of and you can also submit your predictions there um that's the end of this episode from us we'll be back next week to review the russian grand prix because we're on a back-to-back and um yeah we'll see you next time so goodbye bye goodbye So what you have to do now, Tom, is stick a load of silence on the end to make the episode a 148.8. Oh, that'd be so oh, good. Oh, shall I? <laughs> you could. I am going to go away and go to sleep and hopefully wake up tomorrow. <laughs> and if I don't, that'll be really dark because this will be the last thing I ever said. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe not the last thing ever, but the last thing people will hear. Yeah, well, unless I make a phone call, like, I mean, I'm, I'm in by myself, so... Probably, unless I'm mental, I'm not going to start talking. <laughs> talk to yourself, ever? Well, not really, no, do you? Yeah, sometimes. I mean, I mumble, I sort of mumble, I think things, yeah, and, and sometimes say stuff out loud. Like, I'll be in the supermarket and I'll think of something like, oh, I don't need that <laughs> kind yeah. of thing, and I'll say that out loud, but yeah. I don't, like, wander <laughs> so around I'll having look like, across... conversations with myself. I don't have any pets. Oh, no, no, not a full-blown conversation, that's different. <laughs> I'm, I'm talking about looking over to a glass and thinking out loud, like, Oh, I could do with a fresh drink. Oh, oh yeah, loud. yeah, I do stuff. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. See, that's that's talking. I was to like, oh, well, I'd, I'd usually it, it wouldn't be like I'd usually say to myself something like, oh, "I want my one of those." <laughs> <Something like that. laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> what the f- are we talking about? Just, oh it's still recording. It's still, going, it's still recording. We just yeah, no, that's the point. We're doing a one forty-eight. Oh Eight. yeah, we're just gonna keep. Oh man, <laughs> it's gonna be going and going for ages. Um, what else can we talk about? I don't know. What's, I'll leave uh, you to it because I'm ha- about to piss myself at this point. Okay. So.
Oh, we'll, 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 you go minute. for a piss and, and come back. Yeah, we'll just wait it's for it. It's right, fine. Yeah. We're doing it one forty-eight eight. How long's your hair at the moment, Tom? <laughs> uh, my hair is due its next cut at the end of the week. I'm due a cut as well. Mine's absolutely lengthy. <laughs> absolutely lengthy. Like this lamp slash episode. Yeah. Is this happening? Is this really happening? This no, I'll, 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 I'll stop it now. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. We're unanimous on that one then. And finally... Oh, my mouse doesn't work. <laughs> That's UWTF, my mouse doesn't work. Honestly, what the f*** are we doing here? He has proven us wrong somehow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sorry, I just dropped my um, Wacom pen. Then uh, I thought you were just turning some lights off. No, <laughs> yeah, just clapping my hands. It's not. It's a cool flat, but it's not that cool. Southwich, um... <laughs> James. Can you do forty-eight eight, please?
See if it's the end game store. Who is the next match? If I 